Hey guys, Leah Pika here. Today's guest is best known for running the largest digital analytics conference in the world and singing about the very model of a modern data analyst. Stay tuned to find out who's making a cameo in Present Beyond Measure, Episode 5. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure show, where you'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating and delivering data visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions, change hearts, and enlighten minds. If you're ready to get your insights noticed, remembered, and acted upon, you're in the right place. Now your host, Leah Pika. I am so excited for today's guest. There's hardly a digital analyst who doesn't know his name. As he heads up the Global Emetrics Conference in seven cities around the world, he's a self-described professional explainer, a role I think a lot of analysts and marketers would actually identify with. And he spent the last several decades helping organizations decode digital data and been a driving force in the analytics industry for professional development and standardization. He also happens to be the author of eight books, including the latest, Social Media Metrics, and he's been quoted by Seth Godin as one of the clearest thinkers around. And for this show's point of view, he's presented his unique perspective on internet marketing at conferences around the world. He's lectured at Oxford and MIT and was named one of the top 25 hot speakers by the National Speakers Association. I give you Jim Stern. Welcome. Thank you very much. What a what a wonderful introduction. Well, very deserving. <laughs> hey, thank you. Um, so, as, as you know, this is a new podcast um, that's designed to help digital analysts and marketers achieve their goals through presenting information effectively. And I think you're a fabulous person. Um, to thank help. you so much. And you are too. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so. Um, Everyone loves a great origin story. Tell us a little bit about how you actually fell into this whole analytics thing and how presenting came to be a part of that career. Well, presenting came long before, um, but the analytics side is pretty straightforward. Um, I tripped over the Internet in 1993 (laughs) and decided that it would be really cool for marketing. And so went out to find people who could tell me how to do good online marketing And everybody I ran into kept asking me what I thought. And so I figured out that's what it means to be a consultant. You ask lots of impertinent questions and then tell everybody what the other guy said. Um, I got my clients by public speaking at Internet World Conferences. And uh, there was one other speaker that I always went out of my way to to see, a guy by the name of Matt Cutler, Mm -hmm. who just did a brilliant presentation regardless of the subject, but his subject happened to be analytics. He was the founder of NetGenesis, um, one of the original, you know, competitor mm-hmm. to web trends and website story. And finally, he and I got a chance to sit down uh, at dinner in Sydney to discuss how do we work together. And he said, well, let's, let's write a white paper. <laughs> so that's kind of one of the standard things I do. I write white papers for technology companies to explain their technology. And we started out by interviewing 25 companies to find out what they were doing with their web data. And all 25 of them said, we're overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. There's just too much data. We can't manage it. So we wrote this white paper uh, in the year 2000 uh, called eMetrics and Mm -hmm. five pages of Companies complaining that they didn't know what to do with their data and 65 pages of what they should be doing with it. I realized this was a perfect time for me to narrow my specialty. Uh, I had been an internet marketing strategy consultant. And by the year 2000, everybody who did not have a job was also an internet marketing strategy Mm. consultant. (laughs) So I became an analytics consultant. Um, Two years later, that white paper became a book, uh, my, my first uh, one on analytics web metrics, which was the same year that I started the eMetric Summit. So um, it, was, it was because of a talented speaker that I got interested in this subject and uh, sort of picked up the flag. Um, the eMetric Summit 2002 in Santa Barbara, there were 50 of us. There were... Uh, 30 vendors, 10 consultants, and 10 practitioners that we were all trying to sell things to. Wow. <laughs> uh, but we gelled immediately because 
the vendors were looking for a marketplace and the practitioners were looking for anybody who understood what they were talking about. They were the only people in their company doing analytics. And now they were among friends and they could mm -hmm. share stories and, and they could go into gruesome detail and the other person's eyes did not glaze over. It was, it was tremendously exciting. <laughs> the Emetric Summit um, started a community and the audience created the Digital Analytics Association. So it's a, it's a pretty succinct little sequence of events that led to, holy mackerel, that was 20 years ago, almost. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's no question that the Digital Analytics Association, when I joined, it was the Web Analytics Association. Mm -hmm. Just the resources in the community available, you know, I've, throughout my career, I've sort of been that one person doing analytics in the company. Mm -hmm. And that sense of community has been so valuable. So if you're not a member, and you have anything to do with analytics, I highly recommend checking them out. And you'll find a link there on the show notes page, which will be leahpeka.com slash 005. So that's a fantastic story. And you mentioned that presenting actually came first. And I know you've mentioned mm -hmm. that you have a little bit of a background in theater, which woo, mm -hmm. represent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess one question was for presenting in business, did that come naturally to you or was that a bit of a evolution? Couple of things. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm the youngest of three. My sister had all the lead parts in every high school play. <laughs> My brother came along a few years later, and he had the second lead in every <laughs> high school play. I came along a couple of years later, and I ran the lights. Hmm. I was happy to be behind the scenes and playing with the technology, and that was much more fun. Finally, as a senior in high school, the, the drama teacher said, you've got to do this thing. We're going to make you be Duke Orsino in a Shakespeare play called Twelfth Night. And I went, huh? But I knew I would have help from my sister and my brother. And a friend of mine's older brother taught Shakespeare at Stanford so he could explain what was going on to me. And I thought, okay, I got a shot at this. And um, then maybe I can, I can get a date. <laughs> so I stepped out on the stage and instead of running the lights, I stood in the lights and said, oh, this is awesome mm -hmm. uh, and fun. So that was, that was the theatrical side. When I went to university, um, I you know didn't didn't want to be an actor when I grew up. I would rather be in business. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. <clears throat> and when I got into a position of giving a presentation for work, uh, it was at a user group meeting, giving a presentation on software configuration management and version control, <laughs> and there were about two hundred people in the audience, with an aisle up in the middle and a dog <laughs> and the dog was right in the middle of the room and next to the dog was a guy with dark glasses ah guide dog okay got it ah and i started my presentation now just to age myself this was overhead projector with overhead foils i remember and i put the foil on and i started giving my presentation and there's this clackety clackety clack 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 thing sound in the room and i look up and the dog is looking at the man. The man has a keyboard on his lap. This is 1985. We did not have laptops. <laughs> but I realized that he was taking notes in Braille on a keyboard that had audio response. So I, like, forced myself to tune that out. Next slide, next slide. Okay, finally, it just it's a normal background noise. Great. And I was on a roll. It was great. <laughs> and I got up to about slide 12, and suddenly there's this disturbance I realized the typing has stopped. Uh -oh. That must mean I'm boring. <laughs> so the next slide and the next slide. And then he started typing again. And as long as he was typing, mm. I knew I was okay. So this was my first how to get real-time feedback from the audience. Later, I learned to listen for shuffling of chairs and coughing. And, and now I, I know enough to look to see if they're on their phones or they're listening to me. But that first one, it was just so in-your-face feedback that it made it very obvious about connecting with the audience. So that is so interesting. Sometimes I wish I had something that obvious to help me give a read on the audience. But 
What are, you mentioned shuffling of chairs, phones. Um, other than that, are there any clues that you look for to gauge how your audience is receiving you? Um, the noise level. Okay. If, if there is no noise in the background, they are listening to you. If okay. they are murmuring to each other, if they're clearing their throat, if they're, uh, if they're chatting, mm-hmm. if they're getting up to leave the room, <laughs> that's an audio signal you can get, um, and all the way over to the other side, which is just snoring. So mm. if you can avoid, if you can, if you can be the noise in the room, that means you've got everybody's attention. That's, that is fantastic. Leaving the room. That's a subtle one, but it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I want to ask you about is as I've started to go on this path with helping empower analysts to present better, um, sometimes I've hit some resistance that some of the ideas I put out there aren't important for analysts. Like, why do I care about what font I'm using? Or, um, you know, I don't want to stop using bullet points and things like that. And there's valid reasons behind why I recommend that. But do you think this is a critical skill or a nice to have for an analyst that's really going to go far? Uh, well, it was that last part. <laughs> Wants to go far. Ah, okay. Critical. Absolutely critical. Um, I, you know, tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it. You can have the most <laughs> fabulous insight, but if you can't explain it clearly, it's as if you did not have an insight at all. If you cannot translate the work you're doing into business value, you will not get funding. You will not get resources. You will not get respect. Yeah. If you can communicate well, then people will start coming to you more and more for the next thing and the next thing. Um, the ability to get the point across. I guess it's it's a classic situation of getting down into the weeds too much. Every sitcom that has any technology in it, the buffoon, the clown character, starts going into this incredible detail, and the lead person says, "Okay, wait, 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 just you know, just net it out for me." Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if you keep doing that, you're going to die. Okay, thank you. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> um, it's it's the imagine uh, going into the doctor and the doctor starts telling you about all of the, your test results, your blood level and your cholesterol level and your uh, the enzyme level and your proteins. It's like, doc, well, what does it mean? Oh, well, you're a sick puppy. Well, yeah, but what does it mean? Do I can I take these pills or do I need surgery? Oh, just take the pills. Okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you very much. <laughs> but if the doctor says surgery, oh, all right. Well, now we're going to go to another layer of detail and I want to know. The problem with numbers, with analytics, is if you walk into my office with a spreadsheet and a chart and a graph and you show me the spreadsheet, you've just made me responsible for the numbers. And I'm going to have to ask you questions about where did the numbers come from and how valid are they and how what's your confidence level mm. and why don't they agree with the other numbers I'm getting mm-hmm. from all these other systems. And that's the wrong conversation. I've already lost. If I walk in and say, I think this is a problem and I think this is a solution. I've got numbers to back me up, but I've got a test we can run to see if I'm right. Mm-hmm. As a manager, I'm going to say, thank you. And are there any more at home like you? Right. So, that actually stems into probably the number one complaint that I hear from my audience other than I, it takes too long to do things. And that's for mm. another show um, <laughs> is the clients don't get it. They're mm-hmm. asking me the wrong questions. They're always changing their mind. I can't, mm. I can't make them get it. And something I've learned with just general relationship mindset is it's how you relate to them and Mm -hmm. educate them. So do you have any tips for helping to educate internal stakeholders that are either in the wrong role managing digital or just are slow on the uptake? We have to, we have to unpack that because there's a lot going wrong in what you've just described. Okay. (laughs) Um, they just don't get it. The first thing that, that I look at is how am I inappropriately explaining it to them? (laughs) How is it that, why am I not putting this in words they understand? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, wh- maybe I don't understand their goals. And if I can understand their goals, I can show them how the work I'm doing will help them achieve their goals. And that works great. If they just don't get it, then I'm trying to teach them the wrong thing. You know, the, the classic, don't try to teach a pig to sing. It'll never work and you'll only annoy the pig. Mm-hmm. If, if you're talking to somebody whose job is not connected to analytics, don't try to convince them that analytics is fabulous. Try to convince them that you have a unique perspective on their job and you've got some information that will help them make a better decision and will make them look good. So your job is to understand their goals and help them achieve their goals. And they already get that. They know what their goals are. But if you're trying to explain cookie deletion and cache files and (laughs) proxy servers, you're having the wrong conversation. Now, you also mentioned if you're talking to somebody who's in the wrong role, uh, that's a that's a shrug your shoulders and walk away. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just there are some people who have reached their level of, of inability and, you know, you, you could try talking to their boss. Um, you could try making the information you're delivering even more basic so -hmm. that maybe you can help them grow into the position that they should be in. But there are some individuals, there are some clients, there are some agencies there are some entire corporations. The culture doesn't allow them to work with numbers happily. And I'm afraid that's a uh, find another client, find another place to work situation. Okay. Well, that's that's very good to know. I've definitely encountered places where I made lots of headway by having the right conversation and leaving the, mm-hmm. uh, the hits terminology at the door. But <laughs> yeah. I've definitely encountered situations where it was that wrong person and moving on was mm-hmm. going to be the best way for me to move on. And I, I want to point out something you mentioned that's, that I love, which is making them, making it about what they need how does it serve Mm. their job? Um, Something I talk about in episode two, zero zero two of this podcast is one framework for a presentation that you can use, which is the hero villain, where you're actually not the hero, the audience or your stakeholder is the hero and the villain is the problem with the site or the crappy ad campaign creative that's causing mm-hmm. a problem and you are just the narrator and I, I know you'll love this with the Greek theater. Um, you are just the narrator getting them to their solution basically. Mm-hmm. And, but, but it is it is they who are conquering the villain essentially. So that's, that's really great. Um, so, you know, you also probably work with organizations at the hiring level because you're so involved with, um, you know, the DAA assessment that's coming out for competency, the framework, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So does it start higher than the analyst where organizations and hiring uh, teams need to think more about requiring skills like that? elevating those on the job requirements so that it's not just you can segment data, you can use a tag management system. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, this, this came up as a, as a very lengthy discussion in the competency framework development program that we did. Uh, we're, the job of the DAA competency framework was to describe tasks that are required at each level of a, uh, a career path mm-hmm. and the knowledge required to do that task and the skill required to do that task. And it was analysis and it was math and it was data collection. And when it came time to, oh, but you have to be able to work with a team and you have to be able to, uh, to manage people. Mm-hmm. We said, no, no, no. Mm. Those things have been described elsewhere and we don't need to reinvent that wheel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody wants to have better management skills, they can go to a management skills, you know, professional right, association, or analytics. But when it came to storytelling, mm. and presenting, we said, you know, yes, that can be done elsewhere. You can learn that elsewhere. But that's such an important part of being an analyst that we need to make it part of our required skill set. So storytelling 
and presentation skills um, absolutely are part of the hiring process. Uh, because I have to decide what role to put you in. Now, if I go to work for a giant corporation that has a thousand analysts and your only real rain man talent is segmenting customers across day part, well, that's fine. I have a need for somebody who can sit in the corner and do that all day. Mm -hmm. And I don't need you to present your results to anybody. I just need you to type your results in and email it to me and we'll all get along. Right. But in most organizations, uh, there's a handful of analysts and they all have to be quick on their feet and they all have to be able to present clearly. Um, and that is going to be part of the interview process. And it's not how good are you, how comfortable are you, but here's a problem. I'd like you to take it in the other room for 15 minutes and come back and present mm. the results that you've come up with. And it's not, did you check the right box and get the right answer? It's what was your presentation to me like? Right. Did my brain collapse while you were talking yeah. to me? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny when I was talking to someone on the uh, Web Analytics Demystified team, she mentioned that they don't, her stakeholders wouldn't know what a good presentation or good PowerPoint looks like because they're all so categorically terrible. And that's part of why some think that this isn't important because their bosses aren't coming to them saying, hey, why aren't you using the Duarte school of knowledge mm. to blah, blah, blah. And I think my argument is there is they'll know it because when they absorb it faster, when they'll be more interactive mm -hmm. during the meetings. But again, I guess um, is part of the competency framework or working with organizations, equipping hiring managers to, to know how to recognize that, I guess, if they gave an exercise like that. Certainly. Um, again, so the, the, back to the DAA competency framework, we started with the project of what are the skills and knowledge required to perform these different tasks so that we could create a matrix of what are the jobs and within those what are the tasks, et cetera. The next step is a self-assessment tool where you go in and you click the boxes of this is what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. This is, oh, well, then this is your position. What would you like to be doing? Oh, I'd like to be doing this other stuff. Well, here are the things you're not doing now that you need to learn how to do. Mm -hmm. The next step is creating job descriptions. And then after that, we will be creating uh, uh, interview tips and tricks, uh, interview guidelines. Okay. And this is extremely useful up and down the chain. If, mm -hmm. if I'm in an analytics department and I go to human resources and I say, I need, I need two more analysts. And the HR people say, okay, what do they have to be able to do? Well, they have to have 25 years of experience in Site Catalyst and they have to <laughs> be able to, to dream in R. And uh, okay, great. Purple Unicorn got it. Fine. But if there is a job description that they can say, well, out of these 12 different job descriptions, we need one of these and one of these, HR can just say, fine, we'll post those online. Thank you very much. And then here's an interview guideline for the intake group mm -hmm. to say, oh, well, we've gone through 200 resumes. We've winnowed that down to 25 people. We've interviewed 12 of them. And here are the four that we think you should speak with. Mm -hmm. that, that now, now the DAA has created tools that people can use to make that happen. And yes, presentation skills and storytelling, important part. Oh, music to my ears. That's great. I can't wait to see how that shakes out when it launches. Um, so what would you say, you know, you've watched a lot of presentations having run mm. so many Ametrics conferences. What would you say are your biggest pet peeves, knowing what you know, that, you know, you see practitioners and even industry experts making on stage and in the conference room? I guess this first one is very personal. Mm -hmm. um, the introductory slides. Okay. So I, I email my speakers for eMetric Summit every time, and I say, thank you so much for putting together this great deck. Please delete the first five slides. <laughs> because we all know the Internet is growing fast. We all know that social media is important. We all know that you can't measure, you can't manage what you don't measure. It's <laughs> right. like, why... <laughs> This is just clearing your throat stuff. Right. Now, it's important when you're talking to the vice president of product management who's never been in a meeting about analytics before. Great. Right. But don't, for us, no. So I guess, I guess that 
it boils down to know your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, whom are you presenting to? And then finally, and, and critically, what is it that you are trying to make happen? What do you want this audience to do? Mm-hmm. What decision do you want them to make? What action do you want them to take? What's the call to action? And if you just say, here are the numbers, blah. <laughs> and they go, yeah, so what? What does that mean? Uh, they're looking to you to have an opinion and give some advice. Based on these numbers, my recommendation is, and the ideal presentation does not show the numbers at all. Mm. The ideal presentation is, I did a boatload of work and I crunched the numbers and my recommendation is, we do this, 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 and this, and we should get a result of that, 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 and that. But if you go into detail telling me how hard it was to collect the numbers <laughs> and, and how your confidence is kind of not really solid because you had these technical hiccups and this problem that you solved and you were so, you're so excited about being able to solve it. First of all, I'm asleep. My eyes have glazed over. Right. You've made me responsible for understanding what you're trying to tell me about these numbers and you're destroying mm-hmm. my confidence in the numbers. It's just, it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. So I want the doctor to come back in the room and say, I've looked at the films, I've looked at the scans, I've looked at your blood work, and my opinion is you need to eat less and exercise more. Okay, doc, thanks. But don't don't try to explain 12 years of medical school to me. That's a very interesting analogy. I might be stealing that from you because go right ahead. I agree. I think we do sort of this dance where we go in there and say, I want you to know how hard this was because I used to have a running joke on my team I used to have a magic wand in a pot on my desk Uh. because when people (laughs) would come over and say but can't you just do that whole crazy report in in an hour and have it to me and (laughs) I would I would like yeah I I got my wand right here absolutely no problem but the thing is you're you're so right they really don't care how hard it is they care that you're doing your job because they're doing their job by being where they are Mm -hmm. And it's your job to help them do their job better, and you'll be rewarded for doing that. So I need to pour the concrete for the foundation (laughs) for this building, Mm -hmm. and I need you to dig this ditch. Now, if the ditch is difficult, then it's slow. I don't need you to tell me about the rocks and the pebbles and the clay (laughs) and the dirt and how your shovel is dull. I need you to tell me, well... If that is the condition, what does it take to fix it? Well, we, you know, we need a piece of equipment that can help move the earth better in order to meet your deadline. Okay, now I understand. But don't go into gruesome detail. I hired you to do the job. Tell me what you need to do the job, but don't tell me how you're doing it. Right. So something you said actually caught my attention, which was don't show them the numbers. Just give them the recommendation. But Mm -hmm. I have encountered audiences that are numbers oriented, not necessarily analytics oriented, but numbers oriented. And they Mm -hmm. do want to see the nitty gritty behind Mm -hmm. that. So how do you walk that line between burying them in a mountain of numbers versus giving them what they need to have that confidence in the figures and your recommendation? It is a relationship. So we start with... Um, tell us what the numbers are. And the correct response is, sure, the numbers are 7, 13, and 42. <laughs> what is it you're trying to accomplish? And mm-hmm. because I've got a lot of other numbers that might be helpful too. So I can tell you how many hits and how many people and how many products we sold. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you tell me why you want to know, if you tell me what your goals are, I can help you reach your goals. The relationship is earning their respect by showing them that you really do have a complete grasp of the numbers. And if you come across somebody who is a numbers person, you've got to be very careful because there are several types of numbers Mm -hmm. people. There are those who use numbers as a crutch. There are those who understand numbers. uh, So I'm a visual person. You know, Mm -hmm. if you show me a spreadsheet, I see kind of a gray blur. You show me a chart or a graph, I see relationships and Mm -hmm. I see trends and I can do that. My sister, she needs to hear stories. My brother looks at a spreadsheet and he can go right to AA423 and go, that doesn't look right. That number doesn't match up with the stuff up here. 
I have no idea how his brain works, but it's not like me. <laughs> so what kind of numbers person are you working with? Are they a statistician, in which case that's great. They're, you're going to work well with that person. Are they a bean counter, in which case <laughs> you're going to have a long conversation about how these are not the numbers, they are the statistics, they are the probabilities, they are the trends, they are the likelihoods. Mm. There are not 4,273,683 people who came to our website in the last hour. It's roughly that. Mm -hmm. And if they want those numbers to match up exactly with Comscore and Nielsen, uh, it's not... They're just, right. they're never going to be satisfied. Yeah. You, you will need to take them to lunch and sort of lay that out until they get it mm -hmm. that you are dealing in statistics, not in accounting. Right. <laughs> right. And once you've made that connection and once they're confident that you really do have a handle on managing the statistics well, then they will start listening to your recommendations more and more. This is why I say, and I have a test that we can run to see if I'm right. Mm -hmm. I think you should take this million dollars and spend it over here instead of over there. But here's a $200 AB split test we could run just to see if I'm right. Oh, a million dollars based on 200 bucks? Sure, go do that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm right, again and again and again, finally they stop questioning because they've learned to trust me. Right. And you know, you keep mentioning, putting it in the words of, I have this theory or hypothesis, which is echoing our good friend Tim Wilson over at Analytics here, Demystified, here. where it's always going in and saying, I have a hypothesis that, and of course I'm blanking on the rest, it, um, and it I could... Think, I believe this, and I, believe, I think right. that, mm -hmm. and therefore we might try this to exactly. see if it works. Oh, he's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I. that was perfect. Um, I want to circle back on one thing that you, the question you asked that I answered half of, but not the other. Sure. About fonts and bullet points. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to run, you should wear shoes. It's a good idea. And if you want to run fast, you should wear running shoes. It's a good idea. And if you tie your shoelaces tighter it will help you control your feet more. Is it critical to have your shoelaces tied really tight in order to run? No. But if you're in the Olympics, it's going to make a difference. So the people who advance the most use every tool, every advantage that they can get. And if changing the font and changing and not using bullet points and using better images helps get your point across then you are more believable. And it's, it's, this is where marketing, you know, my life was marketing. Uh, and branding is a critical piece of, well, every time Leah gets up to give a presentation, I know I'm going to get clear, crisp information. Mm -hmm. And every time Dilbert gets up, <laughs> I'm going to be thoroughly confused and it's going <laughs> to dwindle into this techno babble. So I'm just not going to go to Dilbert's presentations anymore. And when it's time to give a promotion, mm. Lee is the obvious choice. Yay. And I don't know. I'm not identifying, oh, Dilbert's using bullet points in a stupid font. No, that doesn't happen. But I know that I feel better. I receive information faster. I, I, I know that you are a better communicator. And if the little tricks and tips include... Don't use bullet points and be careful of what font you use and try to use more images than text. Those are the little tools that will all add up mm -hmm. to better branding. I could not agree with you more. Um, I actually said this recently on the Digital Analytics Power Hour podcast, uh, which will also be on my show notes page, that the ones that want to get ahead do think of themselves as a personal brand. And every advance that I've made in my career was in due in some part to a presentation that I've mm -hmm. made. And maybe that was the nature of the roles I was in, but that is across five companies I've worked for mm -hmm. and even taking this next big leap now. Um, so I totally agree. It's, it's your decision to shoot for the Olympics. It's, it's where you want to be on that spectrum. I, I it's also recognizing that a presentation, quote unquote, 
is not necessarily in front of a hundred people with PowerPoint and the spotlight. It's that casual conversation in the hall with your boss where you're not saying, Hey, I found this interesting thing. What do you think? Mm -hmm. You plan out what you're going to casually say, because that's an important interaction and it will have an impact on your career. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, one of the things I hear a lot about also from this community is problems with confidence. Um, mm-hmm. they're naturally numbers oriented, very happily tucked away in their cove, crunching numbers. And I've been there too. So, you know, do you have any tips for, you know, achieving that confident, authentic self for yourself when you're stepping in there? The first thing you should not do is imagine your audience naked. That does absolutely nothing for your confidence and, and will gross you out most likely. Yeah. Um, there really is only one correct answer to that, and it is present in front of audiences as much as you can mm-hmm. because you can get used to it. I, uh, my wife was a horrible flyer. She's just a bad passenger, and I, I've got... I've got marks in my arms where she <laughs> dug her fingernails in. And then we started flying more and more and you just, you get used to it. And now like me, she's asleep before the wheels are up because, <laughs> oh, we're on a plane. I can relax. Mm-hmm. I know what to expect. I'm on the stage now. Oh, just, yep. Okay. So the lights are there and the microphone works this way and my slides are working. Okay. I'm home. Mm-hmm. But you don't get that because somebody said, just take a deep breath and a big glass of water. That's not going to help. <laughs> what helps is do it a lot and do it again and do it again. So when you start, my recommendation is rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was that first user group meeting I went to, I rehearsed to the chair. <laughs> and when I felt comfortable, then I presented to the couch. Mm-hmm. And when I felt like I got this wired, I put the dog on the couch and it, it took three or four presentations before the dog stayed on the couch to watch me. Oh. And then I could present to my wife and get actual feedback and find out how mm-hmm. terrible I was. <laughs> the next piece of advice, this one, this one is definitely out of left field, but it really helped me, which is two nights before your presentation. And it's important that it's two nights before. Okay. Present to the mirror drunk. <laughs> And here's why. Because by then, hopefully, you'll have rehearsed enough that you know your material. But instead of getting up and saying, and here's the interesting information that I found, and here is why I think it's important to you. You get up in front of the mirror and you say, this is, this is really cool information. It's awesome. And it's, it's like totally important for you. And you look at yourself and you go, I could never do that in public. But. You will Mm. put a little more emotion into it than you would have otherwise because you will find where the exciting points are for you Mm -hmm. and those will translate in maybe instead of moving your hand a little bit, you'll move your whole arm. Mm -hmm. That's big. That's important. But of course, as you can tell from my voice, I'm not saying you move your arm and that's important. It's very big. (laughs) I'm using my, I'm trying to get some enthusiasm across. Mm. And that's what people pay attention to. If I want to know what you think, I can read your blog. Mm -hmm. But I come to a presentation because I want to know how you feel about it. So I can read your words or I can hear you say, and I think this is the most important thing you should remember. This, this is the most important thing you need to remember. Mm -hmm. And like, what? I'm ready. What? Tell me. I want to know. It's, it's. So confidence is a little bit of acting mm-hmm. and then a lot of repetition. So mm-hmm. uh, the solution for repetition is Toastmasters. Go to your local Toastmasters and once a week be forced to give a presentation about pickles and tennis shoes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but get comfortable in front of people. Um, my wife ran for public office and was a just terrible public speaker. <laughs> just awful. <laughs> And I, you know, like, don't try to teach your spouse how to drive. Don't try to teach your spouse how to give public presentations just just in order to keep the home front happy. So she had to be out in public every day. And within, like, 
a week and a half, suddenly she something clicked and she just relaxed and said, well, I'm here I am in front of an audience again. Let me tell you how I really feel. And now when she's asked to speak, she's like, oh, give me a microphone. <laughs> this nice. is the fun part. And she's brilliant at running meetings and, and, you know, giving sermons in church. And she's just, she's a fabulous public speaker now. Mm-hmm. But it comes from getting comfortable by doing it again and again. Absolutely. And I, I hear often complaint that there's no time to practice. And I'm of the mindset that you make time for things that are really important. Like there is yeah. always time to take 20 minutes and run through something. I think it's more about not being in a comfort zone or having tools to do that. So once you have a plan for doing that, like what you've laid out, um, I think that can help get the ball rolling. But you make a good point that that I'll make time for it if I think it's important. Um, How you present is important. Mm -hmm. And uh, until you believe that, then no, you're not going to make time for it. Mm -hmm. Until you believe that exercise is important. Yeah, you're going to be a couch potato. Until you believe that texting and driving is not a good thing, yeah, you'll probably learn one day when you plow into a light pole or run over somebody. Yeah. Then it will be important. If so, so, I guarantee that at some point in your career, you will have to give a presentation, and it will matter to your career. Mm-hmm. And it might not be tomorrow, and it might not be next week. So start practicing now while you have the time. Because when crunch hits, I mean, if somebody walked up to me tomorrow and said, hey, uh, this afternoon, we'd like you to give a TED Talk. I'd just say, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I need two weeks yeah. of doing nothing else to prepare for that level. Uh, and I've been giving presentations for 30 years. I'm very comfortable on stage, but you're going to get me up to that level? You're going to put me on Television? No, no, I need more prep time. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm. It is important. um, It is acting. It is is communicating emotion, communicating confidence, communicating the things you think are important by expressing how important they are to you. And that takes practice. Mm -hmm. It's practice is so much more important than talent. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And and I always think if I think I don't have time to practice, if I hopped on over to Facebook to melt my brain cells, or if I have a TV, Mm -hmm. then I have time to practice. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Practice is more important than sleep. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So, um, this, uh, la- this is my last fun question, so I-, I want you to think really hard here. So imagine this scenario. You're performing in a new reboot of The Twelfth Night. When mm-hmm. s- you're walking <laughs> off stage and suddenly you fall into a rip in time and it transports you back to the precise moment before your past self is about to walk into your first big presentation. If you could stop yourself, what would you say to you? You're going to be great. Go hey, get them. Hey, all right. You, you own them. They, they, the audience is here. They want you to succeed. Show them that you succeed. Um, and I know this from, from being audience, too. Somebody comes up on stage, you know, they get the big introduction, and the lights go up, and the person walks out on stage, and you go, great, I'm ready to be entertained. I want this person to do well. And they stumble and fumble and... <laughs> And you just think, oh, that's, that's too bad. And then you get mad at them. It's like, why, <laughs> why, I'm here. Why aren't you here? Why didn't you bring your A game? Mm-hmm. But if, you, if they walk out, and, and I have seen more than my fair share of presentations where somebody comes out, and they're not trying to be funny, and they're not trying to entertain, but they're just trying to be lively. They're mm-hmm. trying to be enthused. It's enjoyable. And even if the information they're giving me is stuff I already know, it's fun to watch. Even if it's about a subject matter I know nothing about. It's really interesting to see what gets people cranked up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the guy who stands up with his notes and reads his paper. That's that's why there should be firearms in this world. (laughs) 
they don't deserve to live. I'm sorry. <laughs> the guy who gets up and says, you should, you should wear shoes when you're running. And let me tell you why. And gets all excited about it. It's like, I don't care about shoes and running, but he's fun to watch. You know, there are certain presenters. So I, Matt Cutler, my favorite presenter, uh, just could, could wrap the audience around his little finger because he was so enthused. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's current favorite, I guess, is going to have to be Rand Fishkin. Mm, uh, if good. you want to know what Rand looks like, he does a, uh, a Friday whiteboard thing mm-hmm. on Moz, dot com, And he presents every day, you know, every week. Um, but if you ever see him in person, he's mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. He, he, the man practices. He knows his content inside and out. He's, he's incredibly intelligent that way. But he's just a joy to watch yep. because he loves presenting. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. So I'll definitely put that on the show notes page as well. Um, and I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I can't even quantify the number of hours that we spend in corporate careers, in meetings and presentations. Mm. Mm. Why not look at the one you're going to give as an opportunity to just light up their minds, change their hearts? You know, I'm making this sound very lofty for analytics data, but maybe it can be if they have that level of enthusiasm. It can be. And this is, this is the, the, the problem that I come across with people who are not comfortable giving presentations is, you know, who am I mm. to, to change their minds? Or I, I, these are just the reports. I don't, I, there's nothing in here that's really exciting. So that's where, uh, what do you want them to do? Why are you bothering? If it's just, you know, here I am to give the quarterly report, well, just email it to me. <laughs> Why are you wasting my time? <laughs> but if you've got that um, call to action in mind, that when you go in there, you, you want them to change how they see the world or what decision they're going to make. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to advice I give eMetrics audiences, when they say, you know, what should I present? What will your audience be interested in? The answer is, Whatever you are most interested in, the audience will find interesting. Mm -hmm. So the thing that you're working on right now is some deep, dark, technical solution to a difficult technical problem. And you show that to the vice president of product marketing, you're not not showing it to the right audience. Mm -hmm. But if you show that to... Uh, a group of analysts at a web analytics Wednesday, you've got exactly the right audience. They're going to be eating out of the palm of your hand. (laughs) But if you take that problem, what, what was the, what was it that you resolved? How, how did you get that to something that, and therefore Mr. Vice President of marketing of product marketing, here's what it means to you. If you, shift your budget over. If you change the color of the button, if you change the messaging based on customer segmentation, Mm -hmm. I think, I really think, I really, really think (laughs) that you can get a 12% lift. And I think we should test that. It's like, sure, dude, go right ahead. That'd be fun. (laughs) Right. Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. Well, Jim, that's all the questions that I have for you today. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I think the listeners pleasure. <laughs> I, I think the listeners have will have gotten so much value out of this and so many resources and just wonderful mindset uh, mantras to think about when they approach this work. Um, if you want to keep track of Jim on Twitter, you can stalk him at Jim Stern, J-I-M-S-T-E. R-N-E. I'll also have links to his books on the show notes page at leahpika.com slash 005. Um, if you haven't attended eMetrics yet, I can't recommend it enough. Also, if you're an analyst and you're not a member of the Digital Analytics Association, I can't recommend. There's so much amazing exclusive member content that's coming out um, that will really, and the community itself is amazing. And you'll actually be able to catch both Jim and I if you're in Australia in September. Aren't we all <laughs> shameless plug at the we are um, at the Loves Data 2015 conference analytics conference in Sydney and Melbourne, and that's the week of September 7th. So again, Jim, thank you so much today, and, and all the best to you. I'll be seeing you soon. 
My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Wow. It's always like going to a mini motivational retreat, talking to Jim like that for even just for a few minutes. I'm sure you can see that. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Present Beyond Measure show. If you've liked what you've heard, please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are so, so appreciated by me because they help push up the rankings of the show. And I'll also be giving a shout out to my favorite ones in future episodes. So if you have even just a moment, a rating and review would be so appreciated. To catch all of the resources mentioned in this episode, you can visit leahpika.com slash 005 to review the show notes, download an mp3 copy of the episode, view this transcript, etc. I would also love if you could leave me a comment or any suggestions you have because I want to hear about the challenges you face when you're presenting information and doing your data visualizations. Or you can tweet me a question for the show by including my Twitter handle, which is at Leah and including the hashtag PBM, as in Present Beyond Measure. You can also find me on Periscope. This is a hot up-and-coming app, which is the live streaming app on Twitter. And I'm going to be holding personal conversations with you about data viz, analytics, presenting, and all other kinds of good stuff. So if you aren't on Periscope already, head to your phone's app store, download the Periscope app, and just follow me at Leah Pika, same as Twitter. And we're going to have lots of fun conversations there, and I can't wait to get to know you better. Today's presentation inspiration is from the incredibly talented Simon Sinek. Simon is a marketing genius who gave one of the most watched TED Talks of all time. You should definitely Google that. And I think this quote is perfect for this episode, which is, make it about them, not about you. In this context, I think it's all about making your audience the hero, and you'll end up being the real hero for yourself in the end. All right, that's it for today. Keep it cool, guys. Namaste. Oh, you went there just for theater? Yes. Yes. Wow. What kind of a crazy idiot is this guy? <laughs> that's uh that's very bond of you.